You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Rachel and Gabby's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 293. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a great show for you this week. Dave Neal, stand-up comedian, YouTuber, Bachelor recapper. He's on the podcast this week. It's been about three months since we had Dave on, and I wanted to bring him on again. A lot of stories going on in Bachelor Nation that we discuss, plus we tap into the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial, not necessarily the Muts and bolts of it because I didn't follow it at all outside of, you know, reading headlines. Dave was someone who was on YouTube and going over that stuff, and he talks about it from his uh, perspective. And then just the breakups in Bachelor Nation and stories in Bachelor Nation, we go over those and we'll get to those uh, momentarily. I did want to talk about some things going on right now in Bachelor Nation. And one thing to clear up uh, from last week that uh, a listener pointed out to me. I had said when we were speaking last week, I had said at some point during the podcast that All-Star Shore, the new show that Blake Horseman and Giannina met each other on, was going to be on, when I was talking with Bailey, I said it was going to be on Paramount+. Plus. I thought it was the next season of Love Island. Um, I actually said the next season of Love so not... Blake and Giannina's show, All-Star Shore, uh, debuted last night on Paramount+. Plus. I thought Love Island Season 4 this summer was going to be on Paramount+. Plus. I was wrong. Peacock picked it up. So, because Paramount+, Plus is basically CBS-owned shows. And since Love Island was on CBS for the first three years in the United States here, I figured we'd go on Paramount+, Plus, but I was wrong. It's on Peacock+, Plus or Peacock Network, the Peacock app. Their streaming service, they picked it up, so that's where you can watch that. And as I speak, I think today or tomorrow is the final day of filming for Bachelor in Paradise. So I don't have any new updates since Tuesday's spoilers. You know who the final couples are. A few of those people that I had mentioned that were last on down there in Mexico. Some of them were active on social media yesterday. Uh, I'm trying to get a full list of everybody who's back. But, I mean, like I said in the spoilers, fully expect Brandon and Serene to get engaged. Everyone else is a possibility or fair game to either break up or get engaged. I just, Brandon and Serene, the only one I'm really confident in that'll happen based on everything that was told to me. Everyone else is kind of, we just don't know yet. We'll see what happens. So that's your Bachelor in Paradise uh, update. There's just not a lot to update because I don't, I don't know yet other than some people came home in the last couple days. And then, as I mentioned last week as well, when the Bachelorette season of Rachel and Gabby begins, I am... It's looking like I'm going to do a daily podcast. There will be Mondays and or Fridays that a podcast isn't done, but that'll be usually when I'm out of town. And I might even do something when I'm out of town. i got to figure out how to upload and all that stuff when I record on the road, because I've never recorded a podcast where I wasn't sitting at my desktop computer at home, 
outside of the one live podcast I did with Olivia Caridi way back in either 2017 or 2018 at the Addison Improv in Dallas, every other podcast I've done has been sitting at my desk. So I got to figure out, and if anybody knows that's listening right now, the equipment I need to record a podcast on the road, I'd appreciate it because I don't know how to do it. So that would help. And then, so it would allow me to do one if I happen to, you know, go to Vegas for a weekend, which is happening in September, that I could do one that Friday morning or something like that. But the whole point is the podcast, the daily podcast is just going to be no longer than 15 or 20 minutes. And it'll it'll all depend on, you know, what's going on, how much info is out there. But it's basically going to start with any Bachelor or Bachelorette news and then kind of go from there. So we start there. Start with Bachelor, Bachelor Nation news, move on to some pop culture news, and then anything else that I, I want to throw my two cents in. But it's almost going to be just like a, a Bachelor pop culture, almost sports opinions dump every morning for about 15 or 20 minutes. And just going to do that because, like I said, I've taken three months off, haven't really done much, and I want to just be more involved and release more content for you. So that's going to start the week of... Rachel and Gabby season. So I would think July 11th would be your first one. So that's that's it for your update in the open today. A little bit shorter than usual, just not a lot going on. I do want to talk about our sponsor this week, Trivia Star. If I were to ask you the name of a member of the Beatles or New Kids on the Block, could you answer it in 15 seconds? I think you could. You need to play Trivia Star. It's a free mobile trivia game with over 60 different categories that you get to choose from, including music, TV, animals, and celebrities. If you choose the correct answer for multiple choices and beat the clock, then you move on to the next level. Sounds simple, but the questions do get harder over time. The ones I gave you earlier, the example, Beatles or New Kids on the Block, clearly you can name someone from there. But the questions do get harder. I'm telling you, they do. You can use coins and gems to get hints and beat that level. If you like trivia like I do, you will love Trivia Star. Right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. It has thousands of five-star reviews in the Apple Store and is the number one trivia game on the App Store. Download it today to challenge yourself. Just go to Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Download Trivia Star for free today and get ready to flex those brain muscles. Now, let's get going. Podcast number 293. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, you know him. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian. He's a YouTuber. You see his Bachelor Nation news recaps uh, on YouTube, as well as the Dave Neal Show on YouTube. He's also uh, my brother-in-arms fighting against all plagiarizers and copycats online, Dave Neal. Dave, what's up? Hey, how are you? I'm good. Uh, there's a lot to get to. I don't want to harp on the stuff that uh, we've gone over uh, a, a lot in regards to the Instagram accounts and, and whatnot. Um, you know, I I said my piece on, the, I think, one of the lives that I did, one of the last two lives that I did, and the only thing that I would add to it is that I just think people don't get it, and I hope they do someday. Um, your take on it before we get started with anything else, just not on what I said, but just in general, I know that you've had to deal with plagiarizers and copycats for the most part. Just kind of explain why... You know, people say, oh, you get too sensitive about it, but it's not. It's our work. It's our livelihood. Yeah, first of all, I loved, I loved your take. Salty Steve. Yeah, people, <laughs> people were like, oh, we like Fiery Steve. It's like you get, you're getting a little, um, you know, worked up over something. And, 
and I get it. Like within stand-up comedy, it's self-policing. If someone rips off someone else's joke or or very similar conversations are had, people talk, they're blacklisted. Um, TikTok in particular has this culture of just stealing everything. And I, I know people would like that would probably look at me in a negative light would say, Dave, you just take whatever's on Reddit and share it. And I go, well, I kind of just like grab the headlines and I talk about things, but like, so, cause my thing's commentary and yours is as well, but you obviously are breaking stories. You're getting information and then other Instagrammers are kind of just shining it up and you know, they're allowed to, I was kind of joking in your chat room the other day. I was like, make sure, you know, if you're going to credit Steve, it's got to be size 64 font. Now it's like, you, you know, like, like let people know if they're going to, if there's a subsection of the audience that wants to like shit on you, then they shouldn't be consuming your content, even if it's been rebranded by other Instagrammers. Well, yeah, that's the funny thing. I, I mentioned it in the, in the, in the live is the whole credit reality, Steve. Well, when I, when I go see some of these Instagram accounts, one, not all of them, not all of them say credit reality. Steve. some of them say credit RS, which is, you might as well just say nothing at that point, because how do you know all your audience knows what RS means? And number two, the credit reality, Steve is usually on page one where it says spoilers upcoming. Then you have nine slides where there's no mention of me whatsoever. And the nine slides are exactly the information that I provided. So again, like I said, my biggest thing is I hope these people just that are complaining and they think that I'm complaining about something that's not relevant. It's like, you don't get it. I hope you do someday, but you don't. Right now, yeah, based I mean, on the look, response I your, got, they don't get it. it. It's your intellectual property, and it's the same reason, like, you know, people come after Joe Rogan because he's at such a huge voice, and it's kind of like you can't really put that that beast back in, in you know, you can't go backwards there. And with your stuff, you're you're not going to – be able to stop other people from sharing your news yeah. but like you said it's not just it's like crediting doesn't really have a defined rule book with social media but at the very least you should be tagged and credited in every slide because when people share slide three then that's all someone else is going to see and as we know you know with social media we get all of our news just from headlines like no one's doing any any research but you know if you, you you've probably thought about this it probably doesn't affect your bottom dollar at all but it's like you know just credit where it's due like you're you're getting you know very very good spoilers and have a very high batting percentage yeah it's just frustrating and annoying and the and the thing is like you just said i'm not tagged in it so that's the thing they're not even tagging me in it so it, all they're putting is credit to reality steve on the first post with no tags and then nine slides where it's just my information and no credit whatsoever. I would think, like you said, most people on the Internet aren't doing homework. They're not backtracking and going, wait, where did this info come from? No, they see a picture that's a summary of my Bachelor in Paradise spoilers, and they just think, oh, that person, that person must have it. It's like, no, they didn't have anything. They had it. They took it directly from you know a, a live that I did or, you know, my website and just not, I'm not, I'm not even saying that they're claiming it as their own. I've never said that they're claiming it as their own. I'm just saying, you know, you deserve to do credit. But like you said, there is no rules for crediting. Anybody can do whatever they want because I'm giving away free information. I'm not charging for it. And even if I did, even if it was under a Patreon, somebody could still do it and just say, hey, this is what Reality Steve said on his Patreon today. Like, there's nothing I can do. Um, now, so the difference between what you do versus like the news is in the news, you can't hold on to a story. You can you have to like 
you know, you're ethically speaking, a journalist is supposed to like get the information out. But with you, you've got so many different little spoilers that you've probably in the past, and correct me if I'm wrong, probably waited to like share them at opportune moments. Do you question that now because you've got some competition that's trying to get out fast information? Um, it all depends. It all depends on what it is. Like when I got the picture, this I'll just take this past weekend, for example, when I got the video footage of Danielle Maltby and Michael Aleo, you know, on um, horseback riding on a date down in Mexico, I got that on, I think, Friday, the day that it happened. I didn't need to get that out right away. It's just like, because it wasn't like, all it was was, because I could have sent out a tweet saying, hey, Danielle and Michael are on a date today, and not even included the video. It didn't really matter because it wasn't a major thing. We all knew the last thing people had heard was Daniel and Danielle and Michael were on a date. And it's like, okay, I can release this tomorrow. Plus, I needed to send it to my graphics person to get the watermark put on it, which, you know, I'm trying to do now with most pictures. But if something was huge and came right away and I couldn't get the watermark on it till the next day, I might just release the picture itself and put a little Reality Steve on there. I don't know. I just... Um, it, it it's it's literally a case by case basis. It's not a all for one, one for all, where I have to do it a certain way every single time. It's a case by case basis. The Michael stuff I had literally ten minutes after they were on the, you know, the because I asked the person who sent it to me. I said, "When did you see this?" They said ten minutes ago, but I didn't put it up till Saturday because it wasn't like huge. It was like okay, two people are on a, a date down in Mexico. Great, you know. So, but if something else is bigger, sure, I'll release it a, a lot sooner. But it all depends. You, I'm kind of that way with breaking news. Um, I think Nate and Michelle might have come out maybe around like 5 p.m. on a Friday, like the perfect Friday afternoon dump. Yeah. Um, that was like enough time for me to cover it. Um, I think Monday was Katie and John's breakup. That came out around 6 or 7 p.m. West Coast time. And I was like, no, I was at a birthday party and I was like, I'm, this is a tomorrow morning video. Like, I'm not going to make this video when the East coast is already like a, a midnight. Um, and you kind of just know, I guess you kind of just know how hot a story is. Yeah. Like I, like I was at, you know, vacationing with my family in Disney world and I was, you know, making videos from, you know, line at magic mountain because like certain topics were just so white hot and you can tell like right away by the discussion of the audience, how important they are. And to, to like really minimize what I do, it's almost like not, in, I could go on, you know, Katie and John break up and I could spend 10 minutes making fart noises. Um, and I, and I think it would still give people the chance to leave a comment. I think that's, what's more important is people want to share their opinion. So all I have to do is like not botch the story yeah. and then give people the comment section. And that's what you do. Like your stuff, people can say like, Oh, you're only taking Reddit topics, but you're giving your own, your videos are your own the story itself is an original content. You didn't break Katie broke up with John. You didn't break, um, you know, Elizabeth being bisexual. You didn't break Nate speaking out like they were they were the ones that did it. And then you go to your video and you give your thoughts, which is your original content. And that's the biggest issue that I've had um, with the Instagrammers is they're not even giving any opinions. They're just basically recapping What's going on in Bachelor Nation? And all the credit to them. I mean, if that's what you want to do, you have every right to do that. Nobody's stopping you from it. But from what I see, there's nobody being paid on this. There's no ads. And they're just doing this for fun. I, I, I just I don't get it. I mean, you can do what you yeah. want. But I'm allowed to have and an that, opinion yeah, on it. And right. my opinion is, I don't know, that 
seems to be an awful lot of time spent on something that you're not making money off of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I've had some, some fights with people on Reddit where they go, well, I, maybe I should start a YouTube channel. I go, yeah, you, you, should, you absolutely should. <laughs> go for it. I mean, that's the thing. Anybody can do anything they want. They could start their own podcast. And I've said it for the longest time. Anybody out there can have a podcast, but not everybody can have a good one. So oh, yeah. go start a podcast. Go start a YouTube channel. Let's see how it does. All these people that say it's so easy and, and whatnot. It's it's not. And um, you know, yeah, like I've said to you and like Game of Roses and all these other independent creators, anybody who wasn't from the franchise and wasn't piped in with legacy media and anybody who wasn't verified because ABC gave your info to Twitter, anyone who makes it, she's all batch. These other podcasts, Morgan's Pop Talk, kudos, it, you know, good for them because it ain't easy. There's so many out there. Yeah. When you are outside that bubble, which we are. And the, the, the ones that you just named all are Game of Roses, um, She's All Batch, Bachelor Data even, Su, you know, Susanna, oh, that yeah. just started something on their own that has to do with the Bachelor franchise. It's just like, it's not easy. And especially someone like myself who has, one, been sued twice by them, and <laughs> two, you know, is public enemy number one in their eyes because I'm not just you know, talking about the show and kind of doing, you know, what you others are doing. I, I, I'm kind of ruining their secret, their surprise, whatever you want to call it, because I'm posting spoilers that they don't necessarily want out. I, you know, we've talked about it numerous times. Pub privately, they don't care what I do because it's free advertising for them. But publicly, they don't acknowledge me. They don't allow me to have any of their guests on my podcast. Um, you know, people from the franchise are, are scared of me because of the stigma attached to my name. It's a lot different. When I started out six years ago, I could email any one of these contestants and say, do you want to come on my podcast? And they would. Times have changed now because now you've got Bachelor Happy Hour and Clickbait and, you know, Mike and, and Brian's podcast where they're going to go there first. They're not coming to mind. And because of they, it's a lot easier to go on those podcasts because you're not going to get in trouble. You're probably going to get a lot of softball questions. You know, it is what it is. But, yeah, it's certainly changed my business model and who I can and can't have on my podcast. So I just try and do whatever I can and, and talk to people. And, uh, you know, next week I'm going to have someone from the franchise on that's uh, been in the news in the last couple of weeks. So that'll be a good one to have. But, um, you know, it it's tough because, you know, I, want, I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, moving on from – the Instagram people and whatnot is, you know, I, I know that you've been public and you know, Katie and uh, you are, uh, you know, you're friends with Katie and you've had to cover it. And it's probably kind of tough to talk about, you know, Katie and John, when you, you know, know her and have spoken to her. And, you know, I didn't, when, when John and Katie broke up, I just, you know, took both of their statements, put it on my Twitter and said, they've broken up. I don't offer a lot of opinion when it comes to that because I've seen, um, where that gets me. Um, the only thing that I'll offer up about Katie and John's breakup is, you know, looking at it, and again, she can do whatever she wants. It just seems like a four-word breakup on her, her on her end was, I don't know, questionable? Like, what was the point? Why did it take so long to do that? Um, why did she do it that way? And you can sit here and say, well, they don't owe you anything, and it's like, no, they don't. She doesn't owe anybody anything, but... When John followed up with three paragraphs about their breakup, you look at Katie's and you're like, why? Why that? And what was your take on that? What did she say right, about he, it? 
Well, okay, so yeah, I broke the. I, I didn't break the story. I covered it when she announced it, and I did know not not for a long. It wasn't a long time coming. I think I think there's this. She did the 12 days of mess after her first breakup, yeah. which, of course, like everyone in the world knows that 12 days of mess wasn't going to end with her announcing John Hersey. Everyone knows it was going to be a Greg Grippo. He was going to be the big 12th day. And most of the guys, nobody really cared except the fans. The fans were so upset. I don't think anyone that was on the show really gave a second thought to it. So she had already sort of commodified that breakup. My personal thought is she just didn't want to commodify this one. She's she was best friends with John Hersey and clearly they're trying to like maintain a friendship. So I think she just didn't want to have to be, you know, it's like it's it's like how far after your show do you have to keep on making breakup statements to an audience, you know, very much like Gladiator Russell Scru- Russell Crowe like is this what you guys want? Are you guys entertained? Here's my statement. We're done. Boom. Take it. You know, like, I don't think she just wanted to give the audience any more sort of content with it. And my other thought was, I think, I don't know the timeline at all. Um, I try, I try really hard. So my friendship with Katie just developed by me covering Bachelor Nation news and her watching my YouTube videos. That's it. I don't reach out to contestants. I don't really, I mean, you know, I really could care less, but I have always respected that she's sex positive. She's a, you know, she didn't graduate college and yet bought a condo, worked in a bank. I mean, she's a fighter. And if people don't like that, it's like, what do you want? Another Hannah Brown? You want another person who looks perfect? You want like, what do you want? She she tells you how it is. She's not going to get it right. I don't choose my friends based on who's going to get it right. I choose them based on who I think is authentic. You know, she obviously felt burned during her season and um, she thought she kind of figured out, uh, you know, a, a little bit of happiness and then it didn't work out for her. So I'm sure like most breakups, it's like, it's like if you've ever been with someone and you tell all your friends, oh, you're going to love this guy. He's awesome. It's great. And then a week later you break up and you're like, oh boy, you feel, you feel kind of dumb, even though you shouldn't, but I'm assuming that was the feeling kind of like, oh man, am I going to be seen as the person who can't hold a relationship? Because I really thought this was the one. Yeah. I mean, I, I get all that. It makes sense to me. I just think four words was a little bit disrespectful. I think she, even if she wanted to fake it and, and maybe you're saying that Katie is, you know, not fake, but just giving a standard, we appreciate the support, but John and I have decided to go our separate ways. We'll always be each other's best friends just something like that would have been so much better than no, we're not together. Like it just, I don't know. It's, it just came across very cold when she, like I said, I'm sure she was in a, you know, it could have been where she was just in a mood where she didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to open up. Didn't want to be vulnerable, but every other couple in this franchise that has ever broken up has released some sort of statement, whether it was a joint one to people or us or done something on their Instagram story or Instagram feed that was even if it was just basic and generic of kind of what I just said, like, Hey, we appreciate the support uh, of all the, our fans that you have followed our journey, but unfortunately things haven't worked out and we've decided to go our separate ways. We'll always respect each other. Please respect our privacy at this time. I think if she would have said that nobody would have had a problem with it, but then she releases a forward breakup and it's like, God, that comes across so cold when, when he follows up with what he did. If, if John followed up with what she did and said, yeah, 
you know, ditto what Katie said, then it would have been like, okay, these two are handling it different. But John came out with something a lot more heartfelt, which makes Katie's statement look, you know, gosh, bad. But then she didn't she come out with something um, either yesterday or today where she was doing a and a and I saw she opened up a little bit more and said, you know, we're friends, we're navigating, you know, whatever it may be. It was just a lot better than what she came out with the day the quote-unquote announcement was official. I just think she could have given people more than four words, you know? Yeah, I think I, I totally can understand that. I think um, the, the way I would defend it, and I have no, I really have no stake in defending it. I don't think she would give two shits if I was like, oh, yeah, it was horrible. But I look at it from this sort of, way where yes everyone has always said uh we appreciate the support of everybody and, and this and that but when it really comes down to it there in the law of attraction the audience gets free drama from these contestants she and anyone else who's been on the show they don't know their audience anything the audience gets what they get which is a whole like second life where they get to you know talk about the drama and the tea and all these things and she's already been paid by bachelor so I, I think it sets a potential precedence where people that were on the show go, look, I'm not going to placate this audience just so I can sell some more skinny tea. If you want to fuck with me, if you want to follow me, follow me. And if you don't, don't. And um, I think you I think like long term, she's better off scrubbing out any of the dead weight anyway. And she's better off having 750,000 Instagram followers than a hundred uh, than a million and they're more loyal and ride or die. But to your point, I'm sure there was a lot of information that was coming out that was going to um, reveal that they weren't dating any longer. So I think she probably wasn't in the that that neutral mindset for the statement, but but knew she had to get something out. Yeah, and I think it's just something that I don't know. Maybe because, like I said, when when she released the Twelve Days of Messy, or the more more so the the twelfth day in the announcement of of John and the relationship, I said it at the time. I said someday in the future, Katie's going to look back on this and say, "Shouldn't have done that. Not it just wasn't a good look." And I thought it would be you know six months, a year later. She ended up doing it like I don't know, like a month later, where she came out and admitted, "I shouldn't have done that. I was only thinking of myself. I wasn't thinking about other people when I did that. That was wrong." Oh yeah. So I just think this is going to be another thing where, I don't know, maybe she'll say, yeah, I probably should have just been a little bit more, you know, I, I, I'm i trying to think of the word. I don't know. Just more than four words. <laughs> just, you know, that, it's that great, really though. It. Like, there is some, like, PR there. Like, brevity is a virtue, right? Yeah. So the idea that she kind of left it kind of, like, she said what she said, but she left it vague enough that people really talked for a little bit about it. And I, of course, knew knew that they were done but um you know y- you see with relationships when people go uh, like take take nate and michelle they go we uh we love each other but we're going to be supporting each other from a distance this and that yeah that's their statement but bitterness will creep up they're posting e- their own thirst photos now they're gonna she's gonna do hot girl summer he's gonna do f boy whatever they're gonna do all these things bitterness jealousy Oh, you strung me along. All these feelings are natural. So I think the joint support statements are, are normally BS in the first place. So I'm not not to say I want to see people spill into the streets, but it's it's kind of like, all right, clearly she didn't want to have to tell social media what was up. And, and, and fans response will go, well, 
you make your money as an influencer because of us. And my response to that is like, listen, Cheryl, you're so entitled. Get off your high horse. You watch the show. You're a fan of her. She's going to live her life now. Yeah. I don't really think that there's, I don't expect anybody, if they release a statement, I mean, I, I, I'd love to see the statement one day where someone is actually dead honest in their breakup and say, yeah. you know, either cheating happened or whatever the case may be, but something like that's not generic. But I'm fine with the generic statements because at least you're just acknowledging, hey, people are here, people that follow us, we appreciate you, we appreciate the support, even if it's, you know, whatever. I, I don't can, I wouldn't call them a phony person if they released a statement like that because I understand they don't owe you or us or the fans, anything other than what they want to give us. If there was sniping behind the scenes or cheating or jealousy or fighting and stuff like that, we get it. Nobody's going to put that out there. I don't, I mean, take it away from bachelor nation. Anybody that does a breakup online rarely ever says we broke up because he cheated or he slept with somebody else. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. Maybe maybe some on the MTV shows, (laughs) some of those contestants are going at each other. Yeah, a friend will say something like I feel like um, when with with Riley and Marissa breaking up, there's obviously some animosity there. Like yeah. the truth eventually comes out secondhand. And that's kind of part of the game is everyone wants to speculate like the story. And when Zach and Tasha announced they're broken up, story's over. But for the weeks leading up to it, it's like speculation. And I mean, that's what drives the traffic is the unknown. Yeah. And I didn't even comment on Katie and John's breakup because I know nothing about their relationship and I didn't care to. So when they broke up, all I did was screenshot what she posted, what he posted and said, Katie and John have broken up, you know, (laughs) almost like the Saturday Night Live skit, you know, discuss because I don't really have anything to add. I don't know anything about it. So what what's the point of me? chiming in I, my only thought was i thought she could have released more than four words and that was it and this is the first time i've said it but you yeah. know it doesn't matter it and doesn't you know, matter anymore you know they've moved I, on i do always it one, one thing that does annoy me and it shouldn't but when i have commenters go oh katie's this and john was too good for her like there's all these sort of narratives and i just go i go to people like look if you watch my content and you trust my content and you trust my head on my shoulders then let me just tell you you got it all wrong Um, I've had like a very unique relationship where I've gotten to meet Katie and Blake. And then I actually got to meet John and I'm not saying this to name drop. I could care less about meeting contestants that have been on the show. It just sort of happened. And when I, when uh, my fiance and I were in San Diego on a last minute trip, Katie was out of town. Uh, when they were together, John came out, brought his dog, met my dog. And, you know, we spent three, four, five hours roasting s'mores and hanging out. He's a fantastic guy. Katie's fantastic as well. They just didn't line up. They might have lined up a little bit closer than her and Blake. But if this is any relationship that that didn't exist in the public light, it's like, all right, you date for a few months then you date another guy for six months. I mean, no big deal. It's just that it's being analyzed in a much higher sort of um, stakes way. Well, moving on to the next story, it is Wednesday. We're recording this uh, on uh, Wednesday, the 29th. And because it's a Wednesday, there's usually four Wednesdays in every month. I think um, this is just any other day where Becca Martinez says something and eventually she'll end up apologizing or retracting her statement. Um, again, she's said something that has ruffled the feathers uh, of a lot of people. Um, I think people know, going back to last year, my thoughts on Rebecca Martinez. I haven't really um, said much about her because I don't really care 
uh, for her uh, and the way she handled uh, everything that came down with me. But, um, and I haven't talked about any of the other things that have come out. I just follow from, follow from a distance and have seen how many times she's had to apologize for things over the last year when she took me to task for stuff I wrote five years ago that I had numerous, I had apologized for and had addressed numerous times before she brought it out. But this latest, I don't really understand it. And it kind of upsets me from a distance because being a dog owner, um, what is her deal with dogs? Why does she hate dogs so much? Can you can you <laughs> can you shed some light on this? What is her? Why is she so anti-dog? Boy, she would hate my dog. He's been crapping all over the place. The older <laughs> he gets, he just doesn't even. He's just a loose cannon these days. Um, she, uh, I'll say this. Yeah, I, in a, as a comedian, I can speak to this. You know, as there's there's something to do with tone that people pretend not to get. I watched her. I watched her sort of make fun of this contestant's dog photos and it didn't offend me whatsoever. I didn't, I think she has dogs. I didn't take it. I mean, look, if, if, uh, if she was caught leaving her dog in a uh, locked car in the summer, we have a conversation, but I, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe I'm just super boring with my takes here, but of all the things that she probably had to apologize for, um, you know, her rant on dogs isn't one of them. She, she essentially made like this like fake PSA that was like, I have something to get off my chest. Stop, you know, this is important to me. And then she kind of got into the bit, stop sharing your dog photos with me, you know, not a big deal. Um, but the funny part was she was mentioning that this guy who's going to be on the upcoming season of the bachelorette and she was, they were, you know, they were doing a reaction video to the different contestants and making fun of the fact that his dog was in his photos. And he said, if you don't like my dog, you can't have me, you know, whatever. And he, uh, he wrote back saying my dog's got a terminal cancer and that's why he's in my photos. So maybe you should be a little more kind. And my response to that was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. There's no way she could have known your dog had a terminal cancer. Like the, the idea that we have in society where we are so offended over everything. Now, look, like you said, Becca got offended and she gets offended at your history and others. So she's got to be able to take it because she dishes it. Right. Yeah. But I'm just watching this going like, all right, no foul on the play. She can continue make fun of a contestant's dogs. And he probably went, was a little too sensitive because there's no way she would have known his dog had cancer. So now I guess the story would be if she still continued with it after he let her know about his dog's cancer. Then oh, it would yeah. look, oh, then it would look bad. Died. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would be that would be so rude. But very innocent. There, you know, it's almost like um like a comic doing crowd work. You're just trying to make the audience laugh. You might cross the line. They're they're doing their first takes, looking at the different contestants. You know, it's like all right, if I make if oh that guy looks like he's got a Republican face. You don't overthink what Republican face means. You know, oh he looks like a Duke lacrosse player. Don't overthink it. We're just you know they're just going for you know, for jokes or, or quick reactions. Um, but I do think, and maybe she's learned this, I don't know, but I do think for all the hot takes she's had in, in like offense culture, she probably should have more grace because she's been under probably more scrutiny than most contestants. She's not quite Taylor Nolan level, but she's been her audience. God bless them are probably the wokest of the bachelor audience. So they don't let her get away with anything. And 
you know, they're, they're like every week there's a petition from their audience that they're going to like unfollow her. <laughs> and, um, and, and in the end, she keeps on making sort of headlines because she might not get it right, but she for sure has conversations, you know, about things. But, but like we said before, like, you know, she, she should probably, I don't want to tell people how to think, but you know, usually people that have been like soft canceled, um, like she's kind of been that way. She's been exposed for different things, you know, like creating a live stream. And then you find, we found it afterwards. It was pre-recorded, and they were taking money. I'm all about her as an influencer making as much money as she wants to make with her audience. Um, but you would think that she would be a little bit more graceful for the fact that she's been under that public eye. And I think it's just probably her nature to sort of expose things in her in her own comedic lens which doesn't always read with its audience yeah and look i i don't follow her stuff to know exact details i hear the stuff that's like sent to me and i just don't care to follow up with it but i know she's had some pretty controversial takes as well on things that haven't sat well with people um and you know my biggest thing um with becca just seems to be she loves to dish it out and she has a hard time when she gets any pushback from people. And that's where I seem to fall with her is that like, Hey, you can do what you want. It's your channel. It's your podcast. You can do whatever you want. But when you do say outlandish things as somebody who does, cause she's constantly seems to be in the news for clickbait stuff that she really has a hard time dealing when people criticize and it's automatically, you know, shooting back at them that they're trolls or they don't know what they're talking about when apparently she goes on and spouts off misinformation about things. And obviously, you oh, know yeah, my stance on on misinformation campaigns. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had and this is the problem. This is just a greater problem in society. I mean, we it's such a dangerous thing. You know, their conversation about Johnny, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, yeah, that was the and, one that I heard. I don't but I didn't hear what they said. I just heard they said some things that were they were reporting things that never happened or something like that. I don't know the full extent, but that was Yeah, I mean, it, look, it it's it's very complicated because it's months long trials, yeah. but essentially their information that they were working off of was very much like the culture we live in, a lot of boiled down headlines and not facts. Mm. And the whole part of the trial wasn't to denounce the Me Too movement. It wasn't to say we don't believe women. It was to say, "All right, in this case, we're going to have to, you know, there's a lot of evidence to go through to see who's, who's lying. And, and you know, like it's, it's one of those it's just real quick. Cause I, I even just talking about it to maybe a person who hasn't been following it. I, you sound like you're a, an apologist to people that get let off the hook, but it's interesting. I mean, she's being pursued for perjury in Australia and the United <laughs> Kingdom. And that's like, it's some pretty wild stuff happening and they were and they were very kind of flippant in their coverage. And I think they realized if we want to take um, survivors seriously, which we all should, we have to get these conversations right and know the information before we share it. And that's all it came down to is they didn't have all the information to, to probably cover it better. And that's not to say that their opinions really changed on the matter. But I think they did apologize after just to say their audience pushed back hard. It's not just a it's not a gender issue. If you're a woman, you got to think this. No, no, no. It's way more complicated than that. And I think they kind of took it only on its surface level. But, yeah, like you said, they they stay in the news 
And they, for the most part, from all I've seen, she's willing to admit when she messes up. And I personally, but like, I guess the question would become if you're going to, if you're going to give grace, if you're going to accept the grace, when you mess up with your fans, give that to people, to other people who might mess up. But um, I would, I would say I would love to normalize people messing up and not feeling like they can't change their mind. I mean, we see this in politics. God forbid a senator changes their mind. I want to, I mean, I don't want someone to change their mind because a lobbyist paid for them to. I want people to become enlightened and, and, and know that whatever you tweeted wasn't your final thought and you're going to become a better, more well-rounded version of yourself. We have to make room for that. Yeah, and I think that's where we're lacking all around. And, you know, as an outsider of someone who did not follow the Depp heard trial really at all outside of, you know, headlines here and there and maybe read a couple stories that were recapping what happened in today's testimony and stuff like that. I just wasn't I wasn't diving into it. I didn't spend a lot of time, you know, on it. But as an outsider, from what I from when it first broke, this all started by an op ed piece that Amber Heard wrote about him without naming him by name. Everyone knew who she was talking about. And in the public eye, Johnny Depp was guilty after that op-ed piece came out and then the trial happened and now everyone's pro Johnny Depp and anti Amber Heard. Is that the going sentiment roughly? Yeah. People don't like to feel duped. So when everyone says, Oh, if this is misogyny, it's like, well, I mean, she rode the me too wave and created this fantastic story that she just couldn't back up with any sort of basic evidence. I mean, the odds of Johnny winning that case were probably like 10%. You just don't win those types of cases because it's very hard to prove. And yet he pretty much won, other than a couple little technicalities that she won, he pretty much won the whole thing. And she just wasn't able to prove her case. And uh, yeah, I mean, now, I mean, she's going to be appealing. Apparently, when you appeal, you have to put all the money up front in a bond plus I think 6% interest. So the interest comes out to like half a million a year. So if this thing drags out, I mean, and the reason it was salacious is you had security footage in the elevator of Johnny Depp's home with her and James Franco, Elon Musk, uh, Cara Delevingne. This is salacious, wild stuff. You had depositions of people that worked with her and all these other people and, and the information in the information and evidence that didn't even make it into the trial because it was considered hearsay, like text messages from other doctors. It was wild. You had missing fingers and uh, bloody walls. I mean, it was just incredible. And she couldn't, I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like she had every right to win this case and she couldn't follow through with any of the evidence that she claimed to have. And not to dive into this case really too much longer, but I know that she did a post-case sit-down with one of the morning shows. Where she still claiming all this happened? Or it just sounds like this is a relationship that was very toxic on both sides. Like It's not like Johnny Depp did absolutely nothing wrong and she did everything. And it's not like she did absolutely nothing wrong and he did everything wrong. It just seems like there was bad stuff going on on both ends, right? Or no? Well, yes, but of course, the, the defamation wasn't about whether or not he was a drunk. Um, but, oh, yeah, the case, I, I was explaining this to a lawyer friend of mine because he wasn't following it. But knowing knowing law, this was like law porn to him, how it was essentially proven that she gave the that, that she sold or gave TMZ the videos of him slamming cabinets. I mean, yeah, he his mom died and she filed for 
uh, I think a, either a divorce. No, he filed for a divorce. She filed for a restraining order two days after his mom died. And he had a multimillion dollar. Um, his management team had stolen um, something, something like half a billion dollars. So like add, add into the fact that he's got an alcohol problem. Yeah, it doesn't look good for him. Uh, and, and then there's another trial that's starting this month where a location manager for a movie accuses him of, of punching uh, of Johnny Depp punching him in the stomach on set. And that uh, he, that location manager has connections to Amber's lawyers. And so on paper, you go, well, Johnny's been accused of he's, he's got credible, credible, credible accusations of being violent in the past. All these things line up to no truth to any of it. I got a video coming out tomorrow about astroturfing. There's all this evidence of like very specific tweets being sent from multiple accounts uh, that are pro Amber. Uh, Fox News ran an article how the the majority of the Twitter bots that they found that were like harvest that were like not real humans during the trial were pro Amber. Um, I think I think the audience uh, is both left and right. It's it's a very diverse audience of people that watched it. And they feel, you know, you know, knowing that domestic violence is a serious topic that affects just about everybody, people feel duped. They feel like she kind of was a very similar um, hijacking of a social cause as as Jesse Smollett was. And in Amber's case, the biggest evidence was that the reason that the son, the Johnny Depp sued the Sun newspaper in the UK because they called him a wife beater. So the re- the reason Johnny Depp lost that lawsuit is because the judge said. If Amber's a, Amber's not a gold digger because she promised to donate all of the money to the ACLU and to the Children's Hospital of L.A., and then now we find out through sworn depositions that she actually never donated the money. So it was like these blatant, clear lies, perjury is what it really is, made people say, look, if there was truth to her being abused, she's lied so many times that nobody believes her. It's, it's very tragic. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I know it was a huge deal. I just didn't have the time and effort to dedicate to that because it is something that you literally would have to watch every day or at least read a summary, an unbiased summary every single day of what happened in in court that day. And I know, you know, it kind of took off for you on the Dave Neal show YouTube channel that you have where you were covering it and you were getting some of your, you know, most views and stuff like that, weren't you? Unbelievable. Um, my bachelor YouTube channel, when it started to take off, I was getting like 600 views an hour. And I think at some point I was getting like 12,000 views a minute on the Dave Neal show. And it just so happened that the Dave Neal show, uh, that the trial happened right during the hiatus of bachelor. So it was a large bachelor audience that was watching this. You, you just couldn't look away. Celebrities like Johnny Depp. I mean, Kate Moss is Skyping in like, what the hell? It was just wild. So, yeah, I I basically was getting an, an insane level of traction on my videos and just using the same format I had already used, but to a, a new market. And my audience grew like significantly. And then, um, you know, I was like, I, you know, I got a DM to go on this. The, the, the Today Show version of the you know, Ireland's Today Show. It's called like Ireland AM. Yeah, I saw so that. Like it's midnight. Yeah, it's like midnight my time. I go on their show and I quickly find out as my edibles hitting that they're there to like smear me and, and like, you know, mention that YouTubers and social media people are the problem here. And, and as it's come out now, 
and, and everyone in the comment section just wrecks these people because, you know, it's mainstream media. They're the they're the ones manipulating people. So my video that really took off this past week was just showing all the inconsistencies in that Amber Heard interview that she did with Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show, how how they manipulated the interview to like sort of. Uh, and again, I don't think mainstream media cares about any of it but on the today show version of the interview they made it a little bit more pro johnny and then on the dateline version of the same interview they made it more pro amber and the thought being did amber's legal team have them clip out parts of the interview um for legal purposes because of the appeal and i don't i'm not a lawyer so i don't really know but i do know that they manipulated the audio and i showed that in some of my videos and those really took off people don't want to feel duped yeah, that's why, like, yeah, you can relate it back to Bachelor or Brendan Moraes. They watch the Bachelor in Paradise. They see some like collusion, and then people go, "Oh, this is messed up." Like, I, you know, like, no one wants to be scammed like that. So I think it just generates outrage. But I think it's rightful. I think the outrage is rightful. Like, people. So, so when Ireland AM, when they were like, uh, when they when they asked me why this trial should have been televised, I think we all learned why because we can't trust the media to get it right with their headlines and their reporting. I think there's just so much in, in terms of, you know, when you talk about media and whether it's breaking stories or spoilers when it comes to the Bachelor franchise, you know, media coverage. And it's and it's been the biggest thing that I've had to deal with over the last year or so is I've just become and before before it was more along the lines of get eyeballs to my site and you know, almost almost by any by any means necessary, not all the time, but it was just, hey, this is going to generate interest. Now it's more about the truth. And like I just said, I just I'm so I'm so beaten down by misinformation, whether it's in this franchise or, or in the news and so beaten down by clickbait headlines and people not actually reading stories and just reading headlines and forming opinions based on headlines, which a lot of people do, uh, unfortunately. And it's just like, please be careful, people, of what you read, whether it's a Twitter story or something you see on Facebook. Actually read the story. And even when you do read the story, who's writing the story? Where is this coming from? Where? What objective do you think they're trying to get across? It's not good enough anymore just to read a story. You almost have to dissect who wrote it? Where did they come from? What has been their stance on things? What's their background? Like, it's a whole thing. And most people, you and I know this, for the most part, don't want to deal with that. Everyone's got such a short attention span. They just want to read something and just form their opinion based on that. And it's it's dangerous to do that nowadays. It really is. Yeah, and it's the whole, it's just the way everything's been monetized. Like, yeah, sure, if you're standing on the side of the road selling newspapers, you do need a flashy headline. But now it's just the sensationalism's out of control. And look, I'm to an extent guilty of putting together a pretty good thumbnail. But YouTube recommends videos based on your click-through rate, which means how catchy is your title and thumbnail. But the most important thing is your average view duration. So you got to keep people enticed to watch. And if you don't deliver on the clickbait, they're not going to watch and your video gets buried. I don't know if I can say the same about how the news how the media works i think they're more click based so there really needs to be a way to um just to, to vet uh reporters in a, you know but then obviously if a if you know 
if if there's a great reporter who leans left, they might be making great content, real believable. But then there's going to be a swarm of ultra right people that are going to downvote it. So I don't know if I have a solution, but I do know people are respecting credible names more so than organizations. As we saw with Amber Heard, there was an article written by Taylor Lorenz of Washington Post. She's already being sued for defamation by Charlie D'Amelio's manager, and she's now um, um, uh, was reprimanded because she kind of fabricated that she had conversations with several YouTubers that she never did, and she was exposed. And back in the day, I think journalists could just get away with like faking sources, but nowadays it's like people will find it out. People want the truth. And that's why, like you, you've got your podcast where you can you can rant and rave and speak as long as you need to speak. I I would rather be accused of being redundant than getting something wrong. So when Absolutely. tough conversations, yeah, I'll make a fifty minute video versus a ten minute video if I feel like I need to really make sure my points coming across. And if I feel like I've been mischaracterized, I'll make another video. I'm not about nailing it the first time. I'm about building a conversation where we trust that our motivation is in the right place okay before i get to a point i want to make about trust and misinformation and and being wrong about things just want to hit on something you just said because this is something i didn't know did taylor lorenz write something bad about charlie d'amelio and they're like they're about charlie herself like they reported a false she reported a false story what happened what's this story um it you know I only know about it because of this new story that she's got the the new problem that she's got, but she's being sued for defamation by Charlie D'Amelio's agent. So it might it might be less to do with Charlie and more to do with the fact that her articles are just garbage. Oh. She's she and this was when she worked for the New York Post, but now she's with the Washington the Washington Post and like you know obviously these legacy media companies just aren't what they used to be. But you still got to try to hold them to a standard where they have to try to give the truth. And um, if you're being sued for defamation and then now um, she's got um, an editor has to review everything she posts now. Because, so what, what happened with uh, this, this recent story is they offered a retraction, but they didn't um, they didn't label on their edited version that they were changing the story. So it's, it's called like a ghost uh, edit or something like that, where they just try to sneak in the edit in the middle of the night. And it's like, no, that goes against their ethics. And you don't realize how important ethics are until you see them violated. If a journalist uh, mistells a story and, and does it on purpose, even Brian Williams, you, this is a big deal if you lose any bit of credibility. That's all people are going on. And it just almost doesn't matter as much anymore. Uh, I think people uh, care less about the truth and more about feeling like they're on the right side of things. But I really hope we can find a way to, you know, because I, I mean, I watch the YouTube channel Breaking Points. It's a left-leaning and a right-leaning host, and they have difficult conversations. But they're not being paid by pharmaceutical companies, by healthcare lobbyists. They make their money through YouTube ad revenue, which there's no bias there. You know, for like me, no, I don't have to. I don't get paid by Bachelor Nation. I get paid because people watch my channel, just like you get paid from your AdSense. So we can be as sort of um, critical and objective as possible. Now we've all got our biases, of course, but for the most part, you know, we we get our views because people trust that we're gonna like try to tell it how it is. Yeah, and try to tell it how it is is exactly kind of the point I wanted to hit on because. 
when I did uh, my last couple lives, just scrolling some of the comments, people say, you know, Steve, you're railing against people who give out misinformation when, you know, you reported the Jenna story wrong. It's just like, look, there's a major if you can't see the major, major difference between what I did with Jenna and, you know, what I've done with a wrong spoiler. Connor the cat. Perfect example that I thought he was going on. Um, uh, was it Paradise or Michelle's? What did I say? Connor the cat was going to go on. I think it was Mich- Michelle. I think it might have been this season of The Bachelorette. Oh, Rachel and Gabby season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't see the difference between that and somebody blatantly putting out stuff that they don't know whether or not it's true, then you know I don't know how to help you. The stuff that Jenna did. Number one, I've always admitted it's it's the biggest mistake I ever made. I took everything back, retracted it, took a took everything down, deleted every tweet I ever said about it because it ended up being wrong. But I didn't maliciously put it out there on purpose to gain following, to gain clicks or whatever. This is something that I believe to be true. I did a poor, 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 piss poor job of vetting that story. So then I corrected myself and I said, okay, going forward, I am not going to do that anymore. When I am going to report something, I'm going to do a better job of vetting. And so that's so different than nothing that I've ever put out has been because I did it out of a bias. I did it because I believed it to be true. There's a difference between posting something and putting out information you believe to be true versus this isn't true, but I'm putting it out there anyway to get clicks. There's a giant difference, and people need to see oh, the yeah. difference between that. And you know what? This just yeah. happened This just happened recently, uh, and I just you know heard about this again on a podcast, which was a great example, uh, in the NBA draft. And you know there's money involved in this because you're allowed to bet on who's going to be the first pick, who's going to be the second pick, who's going to be the third pick in the NBA draft. And the morning of the draft, the most respected NBA quote-unquote spoiler guy, scoop artist, Adrian Wojnarowski, was pointing out that everything is set in stone, not everything set in stone, but everything is pointing towards the Orlando Magic taking Auburn University's Jabari Smith as the number one pick. And the betting markets reflected that. Well, Jabari Smith didn't end up getting taken first. Now, was Adrian Wojnarowski putting that out there on purpose? No. His sources, who Adrian Wojnarowski, like I said, is the most respected NBA um journalist out there maybe outside of sham sharania but he's the number one guy people go to he's the adam schefter of the nba so when adrian wardrowski says something and posts something on twitter and says jabari smith pretty much gonna be a lock to be the first pick and it doesn't happen he had some bad information sent to him but he didn't put that out on purpose to do anything and that's what i mean it's you can't jump on him for doing that now if he had a bunch of stuff wrong then he would just start losing credibility. But, you know, he gets one thing wrong. And I granted, it was a major thing, something that people could lose money on, which plenty of people did, because I bet you a lot of people ran to Vegas or ran to their online accounts and bet that Jamari Smith was going to be the first pick because the number one reporter in the NBA was reporting he was going to be that morning. And then it didn't end up happening. So, but there is that thing of, did he purposely put that out there Knowing it was wrong. No, and I've never put anything out knowing it was wrong just for clicks or reaction or follows or anything like that. Everything that I've ever put out, I believe to be true. And yes, it's ended up being wrong. But if you can't see the difference between that and gossip being put out just to, just to generate 
talk, just to generate clicks, just to generate comments. I, you know, again, I don't, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. No one goes up to the plate trying to strike out. You just, you know, you're in the Hall of Fame. If you can have a high enough batting average, you get it right most of the time. Yeah. Like I said before with the Jenna thing, as tough that as it is on you, and of course for her, it's just a good, it was a good warning for you. Um, and it could have been a situation that was far worse that could have ended your career, you know, publicly if it was something that was far worse. So even those horrible situations that where you get it wrong, you know, it is still a blessing that you kind of were able to go like, all right, speed bump, let's get better at this. I'm bigger at my reporting than maybe I even thought I've always, you know, and, um, and that's kind of like one of those things, I guess you just learn. Yeah. And let's be honest, getting the Jenna thing wrong is a hundred times worse than getting a spoiler wrong about the show because the spoiler is just like, oh, that can change. But the Jenna thing was a more of a, you know, a personal attack. It ended up being, you know, her being judged. People were taking my opinion because I was, you know, I'm, I was the guy in the franchise that had a lot of inside scoop. So when I said something, yeah, people tended to believe it. And when I was basically attacking this woman's character, people just followed along and said, wow, this is who Jenna Cooper is. And it ended up not being, and, I, and I'm just, I'm glad that I was able to talk to Jenna about it, have her on the podcast, delete everything. Jenna and I um, still text on occasion to this day to where her life was not Roman. She's married. She's got a daughter. I mean, things have turned out well for her, which I'm so happy about. And I've told her that. And because I played a role in, you know, her getting a lot of heat and getting a lot of hate and getting a lot of threats against her. That was my doing. Nobody else's. Yeah. So, yeah. And all and I can know, do is learn from it. And that's what I've tried to do going forward. And now it got to a point where, okay, the Jenna story means I got to vet stuff better. And then it just got to a point where it's just like, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to report the negative things that I'm being told about contestants because it just doesn't it doesn't do anything for me and it doesn't it doesn't help my my income in any way shape or form it doesn't help my views in any way shape or form i mean yeah there'd be an uptick if there was a major story or something that i broke but it just it ended up not being worth it in the in the long run so that's why i don't do it anymore yeah and when you take someone like connor the cat uh and for those that weren't there you 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 said he was going to be on the bachelorette and he goes and then he gets a lot of hate. You didn't you didn't offer any opinion like, oh, I can't believe he's going to be on. You just reported what you thought was fact. Yeah. He got a lot of hate. And he's like, F you reality, Steve. And look, Connor's a great guy. He's very he's a sensitive artist. I can relate. He probably wanted to say F you bachelor nation because the real assholes were the people that were like, oh, gross. He's not this, you know, all those things. And I think that I think that he that that, that was his initial reaction. Obviously. You know, you, you don't report these things without some good info. Obviously, you can't share your sources. Yeah, but, I, and, um, the, and that one I really wish I could because I guarantee if I told people to this day why I reported that I thought Connor was going to be on Rachel and Gabby's season, I think a lot of people would be like, wow, yeah, I probably would have reported that too. It's it's so weird. I don't know the answer to why he wasn't, uh, but I do know the information that I was given. It is It is kind of – the whole thing is definitely kind of weird. I still don't know to this day – you know what happened with that but like you said if i would have followed up hey connor's gonna be on rachel and gabby's season what the hell is he doing we don't need to see him anymore we just saw him on paradise last summer go away connor then it would make sense for people to be like look at all this hate that you drew his way the only thing i reported was kind of just like the katie and john breakup it's like 
here it is. This is what I'm hearing. Or not with Katie and John break. It was just like, Hey, here's their statements with Connor. It was like, I'm hearing he's going to be on the season. And I left it at that. I didn't offer any opinion because I didn't care whether he was or wasn't on the season, but, um, he ended up not being, and yeah, he got a lot of heat for it. And I don't know, did, did he directly say something towards me or was he, I don't remember all, all I remember him saying was, you know, kind of news to me. You're like, no, I'm not on it. I don't know. Did he say something at me? Uh, I th- I think he did. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's fine. I think he did. I think it was a short one. Like, uh, but I, I think it was just his initial. You know, I'm sure his DMs were getting flooded, and um, and it and it kind of came down to him. Uh, I think uh, actually, here's what he said: Reality Steve drops a dumb rumor, and um, you know, what, whatever it was. But uh, obviously, you know, he just wasn't treated nicely by a lot of his um a lot of the audience people were sick of seeing him with his ukulele and it's like yeah. well, listen be sick of bachelor producers for robbing him of his original song so they don't have to pay royalties he said reality steve drops a dumbass rumor that i'm going back on bachelorette and suddenly i'm flooded with the meanest things anyone has ever said about me and a great reminder why i wouldn't go back on the show um so look i mean okay so he didn't he didn't call me a name or get mad at me i mean he was he called it a dumb rumor which it was it was uh, Ended up being a rumor, um, but yeah, I, I I'm fine. You know, he shouldn't, have, and I said it at the time. Like, he shouldn't have gotten any hate just because he was going on the show. Like, that wasn't the intention of me spoiling. It's just I'm giving you what I thought was a spoiler, and it wasn't done. It's not like I was told Connor's not going on the show, but I'm going to throw it out there to get clicks or get reaction or get Connor hate. It's just people think I have this just just this vendetta. If anything. Since I've been doing this since 2003, if anything, I don't understand why these contestants don't understand. For the most part, I've always been pro-contestant. I've always been anti-producer. I'm the one that for years have been telling you what goes on behind the scenes and how poorly these producers treat people behind the scenes. I saw that Becca put up a video the other day that... You know, telling people that, uh, you know, contestants are held against their will and they hold their passport and they hold their car keys and their money. It's like, yeah been saying that for 10 years like why does it take becca to say it for people to be like whoa really it's like yeah this is what i've been telling you people like i've always been way more on the contestants side than i have been on production side if i'm if anything i'm the guy that can't stand production and wants to give you all the secrets and everything i hear behind the scenes of you know people being told behind the scenes you can't go to bed until you give me this soundbite in an itm and you can't we're not going to feed you until you give us this. And some people give in and some people don't. And, you know, and it sucks for them. They're treated like second class citizens on that show. They all do. And that's why it's kind of funny that some give in and some play the role and play the quote unquote the game and some don't. And if you don't, you're probably not going to get a lot of airtime. You're going to get eliminated early. But you play the game, yeah. you do what producers say, you'll be in their good graces. And that usually means good things. Yeah, and it sounds it sounds so dramatic to make these comparisons, but I, I had a video of this today when you talked about Becca making the video about Crystal and Colton having their passports taken and this and that. And it really comes down to this. Whether people like it or not, we live in late-stage capitalism. People don't feel like they can get good jobs that used to exist out there. So this idea of monetizing your social media, it's a good one. And the producers hold that over people's head, kind of like an indentured servant, which is essentially a slave. And I don't say that lightly. They they hold 
the idea that you'll get a good edit over your head. Be a good girl, Demi. Say what they want you to say. And then if if things work out and you stay within the quote unquote company, then they'll throw you bones and bring you to Bachelor in Paradise. And so you have people like Cassidy who, like, as she says, got her lips done, got the Botox ready to go, flies to Miami. And then all of a sudden doesn't get the phone call to go on Bachelor in Paradise. And it's like it ain't a just world out there. And there's no control from these unpaid employees, which are the Bachelor contestants. Yeah. And didn't um, didn't Katie Morton go on She's All Batch recently? I saw it pop up on my TikTok or maybe in my reels where it was just probably a 30 second clip of the podcast interview she did on She's All Batch, where she basically said, yeah, I got paid ten thousand dollars to go do Bachelor in Paradise. But what you don't get is you're not allowed to start monetizing that until the finale airs, which is mid-September. So $10,000, I'm not allowed to do any ads from the time we ended filming till the time the finale airs, which in the past was two and a half months. So basically $10,000 has to last me three months, and you take taxes out of that. How much am I really making? Like, yeah, people yeah. don't understand. It's not a lot of money, at least yeah, for and, that. You know, there's, there's people like, big shout out to people like Blake Horstman, I love what he's done with his career. It's it's pretty rare to get that kind of success after the show. But, you know, he decides to go on All-Star Shore, which as we're recording this airs tonight, which I'm actually very excited about. And then I realized how much of a genius move it is because he's already gotten sort of whatever he can out of the Bachelor audience. But now he's going to be now he's going to be aired in Brazil, Mexico, the UK and all these other countries that are in Brazil, they're literally dubbing his voice. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, this is genius. Cause now he's going to be able to probably sell, sell tickets to concerts or DJ events in other, in other countries. I mean, it's really next level thinking. And unfortunately for a lot of the audience, this is part of the show. It's not about finding love. That's a happy outcome, but it's about building an audience because this is just the world we live in. What do you think about Peter Weber coming out and saying, yeah, they didn't pay me enough to go down to paradise. I was all set to go. I was going to do it, but they didn't pay me enough. What was your take on Peter not being cast? I, For me, on the outside, just looking at it, I think producers should have given him what he wanted. I Literally, same. An, a blank check. I mean, I, he already took the month off of work. I can't imagine he was asking for a crazy amount. If it was, if he was asking for fifty grand and they were only going to pay him thirty, it's like, what are we talking about? That might have been the biggest story on the beach. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, if you throw throw a number out there, what do you think? He says they couldn't come to an agreement. I mean, we're not going to know the answer. This is complete speculation on our part. I know nothing about this. I didn't know that. I mean, I had heard rumors leading into Paradise that Peter was going on this season. But I always, as I always said, until they walk down the beach steps, they are not on the show. Um, and so I didn't know, and I was waiting. And then, you know, as I got spoilers, never heard Peter's name coming up. So I'm like, clearly he's not there. And then about, a, I think about a week or 10 days into filming is when Peter came out and said this on his, on his podcast, I guess that, Hey, uh, I just couldn't come to an agreement. I was going to do it, but we couldn't come to money. I'm trying to think of, what I think Peter thought he was going to get or what he said, I will do paradise for this amount. My guess is he told them I'm not doing it less for less than 50, I guess. I guess I'd go with 50 as well. That's the number that I've had in my head. Yeah. And I don't think he was asking for too much 
Because if you look at it, and he's a, I think he's a smart guy. The smart move is acquiring more fan base for your podcast. And that's, that's worth way more money than what, than whatever they're going to pay. You're going to get 40% taken out in taxes and all that. It's worth way more that he goes there and, and stays in the limelight. So I can't imagine it was a big ask. He's already on salary as you know, already has a good paying job. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, he, it sounded like it was a done deal on his end and then they just couldn't approve it, which just blows my mind. If you're going to have Victoria Fuller, um, on the beach and not him, what a, what a missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other story that came out recently, uh, within the last couple days, um, Elizabeth Corrigan from Clayton season came out as bisexual. This is another example of, you know, I, you know, I'm not sitting here and patting myself on the back by any means, but this was something I had heard about during her season. Like I, and the thing was, the weird thing was the person who came to me with the proof, like I was well aware of Elizabeth, uh, being bisexual because of the information I received while her season was airing. But it was somebody who came to me that was very upset. Like they were bothered by the fact that Elizabeth, that Elizabeth was getting screen time and this is so fake. She doesn't even like, you know, they were saying that she doesn't even like guys. Um, but they were saying like this isn't even real. She doesn't care about that guy. There's no way she's seeing a she's seeing a girl back home. She was seeing a girl before the show, and I'm just like, okay, thanks for the info. But one, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna report this. I'm not gonna out her as a um, as bisexual or anything. This is her sexuality, and this is not my place to tell it. So I'm glad that she did. I'm glad that she came out and she felt you know she did it on Pride Day, and good for her. But this is another example of the amount of things that. You know, I'm sure you've heard stuff and stuff, the amount of things that I've heard behind the scenes that do end up being true that like you can't. I didn't I couldn't I I guess I could have given proof if I did want to report that story, which I was never even thinking of, but I could have done it with proof. Um, I don't remember if they gave me the name of the the woman that uh, that Elizabeth was seeing at the time or maybe was seeing pre-show or whatever, they might have. I don't know. Because after I got it, I'm just like, okay, thanks. It's just one of those things where it gets sent to me, and I'm like, okay, thanks. I didn't need to do any sort of digging. I didn't care to. It was whatever to me. But I'm glad that Elizabeth came out this week and, um, and you know, living her truth and good for her. Uh, I, I, was, I was happy. But, you know, again, this was just another example of, yeah, these things are – Stuff's going to get out. It's almost like I don't know if Elizabeth thought this would never get out or she would or maybe she she came out on Pride Day and she wasn't planning on it, but it was getting the pressure was too much. I don't know. I just hope she did it for the right reasons. I hope she came out because she just felt this is where I'm at in my life. This is what I want to do and not sort any sort of pressure from social media because she thought maybe a story was going to break, you know, from some other. outlet. It's uh, my my hunch is that it was more impromptu, but at the same time, I, I can't I forget that we live in a world where some people don't know that they have a friend who might be closeted or gay or bi or whatever. Yeah, I just you know, I'm sure you're the same way I've been in. I've been in such a sort of progressive community between Boston, New York and L.A. for so long that it's just not news. I mean, every night I do stand up with a three bisexual comics, a trans comic a guy whose parents are both dead. I mean, every story you could imagine, the more you talk about 
your reality and how we're all different and yet loving the more normalized it becomes. So when, when you, when you feel like you have people like, um, you know, who are in the closet for three years because they don't feel like they'll be accepted. It's just a tragedy. It really is. And it's, it's violence happens within families. If you come out, there's just because we might think like, who the hell cares? It doesn't mean someone's drunk uncle isn't gonna, you know, cause a scene at a wedding or whatever. It's, it's really just, it goes to show how much farther we have to go in society to be accepting um, of everyone's right to uh, be who they are and love who they want to love. I can't, I can't even believe this is something we, we have to say in 2022. Um, oh, I know, but the show is very hetero focused, obviously. And um, I'm sure there's been dozens of bisexual contestants that have been on the show and we just don't know. I mean, it's just such a non-factor. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I, I, I want to, I want to kind of wrap things up with, a couple things in with you in regards to your life. Number one, watching your Instagram stories over the last couple of weeks, you and your fiance Tasha seem to be house hunting, and I'm I've, I'm really getting a kick out of watching <laughs> you guys look at places and just kind of following along with it. Can you update any, us on on where you're at with that, and you know what you're, and you don't have to reveal the areas you're looking in in LA, but like how that's going and how difficult it is. Well, yeah, here's the deal, right? I mean, you, you want to buy a million dollar home in LA, you're barely going to get a thousand square feet in a bad neighborhood. It is like, I could be the mayor of like Des Moines with, with the house. You know what I mean? Like the purchasing power here stinks. I had a sizable increase in my, my income in 2021 uh, coming, you know, after a year on the pandemic where I didn't really do anything. And I don't expect that we'll be buying a home till maybe 2023 as it kind of goes, you know, the trajectory, you got to prove, how do you prove an income when you make YouTube videos? It's not as easy as people think um, when you're like, um, you know, sort of a freelancer. So my goal with that was like, let's see as many homes as possible so that when we are ready to buy a home, we're like so well-educated and then the other part, like I'm a huge visualizer, self-actualizing. I want to tour a home and sit in the barn and imagine where I would set up my TV and my recap station. So Tasha's very much the practical one. And I'm the one who's like, let's start looking at homes we think we'll be able to afford. And then, and then our sort of our tribe, our audience will grow as we grow into a new place. And I, honestly, to everyone who's listening, Bachelor Nation fans, it's changed my life this last year. I, we can now think about starting a family and doing things that I couldn't possibly be thinking about, you know, working, um, you know, free, uh, you know, working freelance or driving Uber or all these other things. So it's been a blessing and one that I have no plans on, like, letting my grip of it go away because I'm so grateful. And like, you probably know this. I mean, if someone was to like get some sort of success when they're 14, they have no clue um, what's out there in the real world. It's like, I've done stand up for 10 years. I've worked for nachos, beer. I've gotten in fights over getting paid 20 bucks. Uh, you know, uh, I've done all that. And I've got such an appreciation for the fact that anybody would listen to what I have to say on YouTube. And my goal is to, expand that in a little bit of a way where I could ha either have a home studio in a garage or a barn or a pool house and just keep on building on that. No, that's great. I mean, I'm glad that everything's kind of taken off for you 
in the last year because, like I said, I've always respected your content because you put thought into it. It's not clickbait stuff. It's not you're not saying stuff for reaction, as we know certain people in this franchise do, and you're not saying stuff for clicks or followers or likes. It's it's well thought out stories that yeah they might all be generating from Bachelor Nation, but it's still good, um, insightful, and then of course mixed with your humor, it's witty and. I've just always liked stuff like that. And I, and the other thing I wanted to talk about was your was your stand-up career because I've always been a huge fan of of stand-up and I know you've been doing it for a long time and it's, you know, it's not a full-time job for you. You get gigs when you can and and you do it. In the very beginning of the podcast, you talked about joke stealing uh in in comedy. And with 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 the advent of social media, it just seems so hard nowadays to say that like, how does somebody know, unless you literally rip it off word for word, how is somebody, can somebody prove that somebody stole their joke? Because you could say, you, know, you could say, I never heard it. I, what do you mean? I've never, I've never seen that, your, your bit on that. Oh, sorry. And then it says, how do you really know? And you don't, do you? Well, it's, it's more like a consistent effort. Like if someone steals one joke, it's kind of hard to know. Yeah. This guy, this guy who is a comic from the Middle East stole my buddy's joke. It's a five minute bit. And when you hear this guy do my buddy's joke, he even steals the inflections. He steals the tone. Yeah. And you go, oh my gosh, he's going back to Dubai or the, uh, you know, Arab Emirates, wherever he's going, he's performing a lot of American, American comedians jokes. Um, this happened, uh, blatantly with, I think gal, I don't want, you know, I don't want to say his name. One of the biggest French, um, comedians was caught ripping off American jokes. Carlos Mencia, he was the big one that Joe Rogan outed. He was essentially taking, uh, taking jokes and making them like Mexifying them. He was like making them in the Mexican voice of somebody as far as like kind of making that about, you know, whatever it's. So it's like one joke you get away with, um, the shorter the joke, the easier it is to have parallel thinking, because when you factor in how specific and efficient jokes can be like a tweet that, you know, after the Will Smith slap, you probably had 400 versions of the same joke. Get my wife's name out your mouth. I'm sure that's not what she said about, uh, you know, his uh, best friend who fucked whatever it is. It's like the people you get only so much info. It's like we're, it's like comedians are like all playing the same game of wheel of fortune so they're obviously coming up with the same solutions um if you're going to steal someone's five minute joke about them going on vacation with all the in, in you know the specifics of that vacation that's a little bit more damning but yeah one you know i'm at that stage where i don't have anyone who's doing any any of my act um but it does exist out there whenever i have a new joke i try to upload a version of it to youtube even if it's as a private video I know um, a buddy, a comic that I've known for about eight years. We both have a, uh, we both have a magic school bus joke, which you would think is very specific unless you grew up in the '90s and then you realize nostalgic humor from the '90s. Everyone's gonna be talking about magic school bus, Pogs, uh, you know, uh, what, you know, uh, Tamagotchis. <laughs> then, it, then it's like just because two different comics talk about Tamagotchis doesn't mean we're ripping each other off. We just have a shared upbringing. So. Um, you just, it's one of those things, you know, it when you see it. Um, but a lot of times when people are accused of joke stealing, it's not. Yeah. It's tough because like you said, if it's one joke, it's almost impossible to prove, but if they take a whole bit, a whole set, a whole three or four minute, you know, thing on like, 
hey, you know, because, you know, one of the biggest things, I mean, there's there's so many, but, um, you know, saying like a lot of comedians have a could have a possible set on airplane travel, like flying on the airplane. Like I've seen so many. George Carlin had one. Brian Regan's had one. I mean, they all have one, but they all have their different takes on it. But if you take somebody's, hey, I got a bit on flying on airplanes and it's a complete ripoff of one of those, then yeah, you would get caught. But there's a lot of big names that have been accused of, Amy Schumer's been accused of being a joke stealer. Um, uh, Dane Cook was accused of being a joke stealer. Like it's just very, and, and in social media with so many videos out there, like back in the days in the 80s and 90s, the only way you would know of it about anybody's standup is if they got on TV. And that was like only very few people had a TV special like HBO would run Carlin once, a, you know, Carlin's special and then Rodney Dangerfield stuff. But other than that, you couldn't go online and see somebody stand up bit. You either had to see them in person or they had you had to see their five minutes set on Carson or one of the late shows or they had a stand up special on on HBO or Showtime. But that was very few now. Everybody's got a YouTube channel. Everybody's got a stand-up show on on Netflix or Hulu. It's just it seems like it'd be a lot, almost a lot easier to steal jokes now because there's so many sets that you can see and at least form opinions on them and say, "Oh, I liked that where they were going with that. I like the topic. I like the headline. I'm just going to take it in a different direction so it's not completely stealing from them." But is that yeah. is that considered stealing? I don't know. In the industry, well, it all I depends. Mean, I guess it all depends on how you take it. If you, yeah, if you do it, I mean, I, I think, I think so. Um, but I, like I said it's so self-policing. When you just to tie it back to Bachelor Nation, uh, you had that guy who claimed he walked in on Clayton Eckerd banging his girlfriend. Yeah. So, so I, so I go to that guy's TikTok and I see a joke that he tells while he's driving, and he spe- he tells the joke as if it's his own thought. And I Google the joke and I found it on Facebook like seven years ago and people on TikTok, they just, but, but it's not just TikTok. I, it's also normalized. Um, uh, one comic accused another comic of stealing a joke on America's got talent. And even in, even like how we know how we does a comic, maybe it was Simon or someone else was like, you know what, but this guy delivered it better. So who cares? And my mind was like, are you kidding me? No. This is his intellectual property. Um, but like I said, most comics and anyone who works in the comedy industry uh, would does you know he does not want to be stained with being called a joke thief. That um, I know, we both have the same joke where I'm like, oh, I'm a feminist because my girlfriend makes four times as much money as I do. His was, oh, you know, my girlfriend makes more money than I do, so that makes me a feminist. They're the same exact joke. We're just two broke comics trying to find out how to make fun of ourselves it's just and it's like keep doing your joke i'll keep doing mine if we're on the same show we're not going to do the same jokes but um yeah it's a weird world how how do how have you ever felt about um and maybe you've done some yourself how do you feel about roasts um i actually had a decent little roast record when i was doing it i hate the pressure of them i don't care to make fun of other people that way um (laughs) I had I actually roasted Katie and Blake when they, or no, I roasted Katie and John on a TikTok and and it did really well. Um, but I kind of like knew the, the jokes I was making. They they were able to laugh at. Um, I was like the only thing whiter than Katie's teeth is her privilege that got her the role. You know, I had like jokes like that or whatever. Yeah. And like you know that's all in good fun. But I, I personally, 
don't like topical jokes because you just throw them away. And the same thing with roast jokes. Like you just write a joke about someone's dead dad. And then what do you do after that? You know, but you know, it's a muscle you can work. I have a lot of friends that have built their careers off of their roast joking skills. Uh, you definitely have to know how to roast people on the fly during stand up. If someone wants to heckle or something, you like it's it's so funny when you're a comic walking onto the stage, you're looking for the bald guy. You're looking for the young the young girl. You know, if there's some cute twenty one year old girl in the audience, the whole audience is gonna be on board if we make fun of her if she decides to heckle. Who's drunk? Who's doing this? You have like your mind goes off in a million directions so that if you need to start firing into the audience, you've got some ammo. And it's all in good fun. That's just what the that's what it is. If you want to be drunk and make fun of me or make fun of one of my jokes, I'm going to dip into the audience and make fun of your you know, Hawaiian shirt or whatever. Yeah, you know, once a year, Comedy Central had the Comedy Central roast of, I mean, they did so many people. I mean, they did Flava Flav. They did David Hasselhoff. They did Trump. They did Roseanne Barr. I mean, I've seen them all. But it seems like, I, I don't think Comedy Central does it anymore. I don't know if they just, because of the times, have changed and because those jokes were so biting and so personal and, you know, mean, I mean, some of the stuff said, I mean, anybody that's watched, <laughs> go watch the Rob Lowe one and look at the absolute just badgering that, not saying she didn't deserve it, but Ann Coulter got, like, it became personal stuff and it became like, okay, but it's all centered around, it's got this umbrella of, well, it's a roast, so we're allowed to say anything we want, it's we're roasting the other, we're roasting everyone on stage. We're roasting the comedians. We're roasting everyone else. But that was very popular on Comedy Central, and I haven't seen one for two or three years. So I don't know if they stopped it because well, it, I, do you it know goes why? To show, I mean, Comedy Central is essentially dead. They've been stripped to the bone. They're they're like the CISO. They just blew. They just lost it all. I mean, you've got all the comics are releasing their specials on YouTube now because yeah. they can own the content and they can make more money long term. They can interact with their fan base. Yeah, Comedy Central is dead. But with Ann Coulter, I think that was just comics, honestly, not thinking she deserved to be on the dais, which yeah. happens. They'll get some celebrities. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, oh, you know, um, they, they did a roast of David Ortiz and they couldn't air it. They just decided to scrap it. A professional roast. Um, on com because, uh, like like the Comedy Central one with where where um where Jeff Ross was like the MC like he usually is, I believe it was one of those styles okay. and it was supposed to be aired and they just canned it. It was so offensive in today's world. Now when I go to a stand up, I'm I'm heading out over to Hollywood Improv. You're gonna see hey look you're gonna see anything that'll get a laugh, and there are two different worlds that exist now. What is said online and what is said in comedy clubs. And they're almost two different markets. Um, I would never want anything I say in a comedy club to be transcribed, but I'll say this. I'm probably the least edgy comic I know. So whenever anyone thinks I'm saying something a foul, I'm like, you have to be kidding me. But that's why the comedy clubs have never been more popular because people think a certain way and comedians usually just regurgitate their darkest thoughts. It's, it doesn't mean they believe what they're saying. It's just like gallows humor and l laughing at things that are, that are just so wrong with our society. So whenever, the, whenever things are taken out of context, I'm always just like, look, man, you know, comics aren't the problem. They're just not. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, a lot of it comes down to, again, sensitivity and 
what people can take, but roasts are a different, it's definitely a different type of comedy because you are really, sometimes you're going at stuff that is true and just making a joke of it, but there's that line of, oh God, that was funny, but it's actually true about that person. You know, it's just, it's really, I, I just remember, I can't remember which roast it was, but Pete Davidson was on the dais. And I don't know if people know this. Obviously, people know that Pete is dating Kim Kardashian now. But Pete Davidson's dad died in 9-11. He died in one of the towers. And somebody got up there and made a joke about Pete Davidson. And it was about his dad dying in the towers. It was I'm paraphrasing here, but the joke was essentially um, that's the worst thing that's ever happened, to, you know, involving a plane that's happened to Pete Davidson in his life and something like that. And I was just like. Gosh, but then Pete Davidson's up there laughing about it. So it's just like I, it's roasts are very, very tricky. They're they're so right there on the line of, am I going to cross that line or not? And they're just they can be uncomfortable too, for sure. Just yeah, watching I mean, one. I, yeah, and look, people have uh, I've done roasts where people make fun of my dead dad, and it's like that that wouldn't I mean that wouldn't be the top hundred things that I would get offended about. I'd be more offended if like someone made fun of the fact that my fiance doesn't laugh at my jokes. Like that's, I'd be like, you know what I mean? Like we're all different, you know, the thing, but, but um, yeah, I mean, look, comedy, it just isn't for everybody, but um, I, I love, I love the analytics and the problem solving of figuring a joke out. You know, I'm doing these stupid jokes about, memory phone having sex on memory phone mattresses and my I saw, yeah, I saw that one <laughs> yeah just i'm just stupid stuff but the dumber it is it's like i'm like all right no one else is doing a weighted blanket joke let's do weighted blanket joke. it's you know when when you work with ten thousand other comics it's very easy to just come up with the same material so just trying to be unique different um but you know for me it's it's interesting because I've always like 10 years of doing it plus a long time of doing YouTube to, to start to get a lot of this kind of love all at once. It's like, all right, I guess this is what they say. You just have to like walk in a direction creative creatively or whatever it is you're trying to build and just keep walking. And like, you know, if, if I'm not a touring stand-up comedian, but I can go, you know, I was just in Chicago um, I talked to the class at DePaul, the class um, that does the bachelor studies. And I had a couple dozen people come out to shows that that's worth more to me than being on comedy central, being able to go to a city and have audience come out and support me and laugh. Like that's, that's huge to me. So I've just been in awe of it. You know, I'm going to be going to Paris, I think um, either this, this Christmas season and doing a couple of shows there. Like, like these opportunities are just unbelievable. Well, that's great. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. I'm I'm very happy for your success. And, uh, you, you know, I, even within Bachelor Nation and even outside of Bachelor Nation, just being able to grow. I mean, your Bachelor Nation news on YouTube, uh, the Dave Neal show on YouTube. Um, you can check it out. Dave, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You know, we could talk for for hours on this thing. We got a good 90 minutes in today, which is pretty much what I wanted to do. Uh, again, thanks again for coming on. And we will most certainly be in touch. Yeah, thanks. I'll be back anytime you need me. You got it, man. All right, see ya. Bye. Thanks so much to Dave. I really appreciate him coming on. Such an easy guy to talk to. And just over the last year, maybe about uh, 14, 15 months, obviously when I got in in touch with Dave, has just been, um, you know, someone I can bounce stuff off. Um, He can bounce stuff off me. 
Like I said, we've talked a lot about, you know, behind the scenes of the, you know, the social media stuff and what's going on online and the Instagram accounts. And it, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's just, a no, it's, it's nothing I can do. I get it, but I'm allowed to be annoyed and I'm allowed to be frustrated by it because it's my work. And, you know, if those people didn't use my work as their posts, half their posts wouldn't even be on their page. So, um, like I said, it just, if you're going to do it and you're going to, and you know, there's not a whole hell of a lot I can do, but I'm allowed to, uh, have an opinion about it. And that's my opinion. I just don't, I don't respect people and I, and I don't have, um, I just have a hard time, uh, respecting someone who takes other people's work and puts it on their page because the reason they're doing it is to build, uh, an audience. And I have no problem with someone building an audience. I just think you should build it on original content, not what other people say. And you just summarize it. That's all. So thanks again to Dave for coming on. Really appreciate that. Um, thank you all, uh, for listening again. We have our sponsors and this week we are, you know, uh, sponsored by trivia star, please go download that, uh, on Apple or Google store. Look for it for trivia star, download it for free today. Get ready to flex your brain muscles. They're offering 2,500 coins and 500 gems. When you download and play, it's a lot of fun. Obviously a bunch of different categories, uh, we all love trivia. We all love, you know, favorite shows, favorite movies, favorite sports teams, whatever it may be. Just go download a Trivia Star off Apple or Google Store. But also, please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcast. Very much appreciated. So for Dave Neal, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week with yet another podcast. Until then, see you.